What's up, guys? We're the PR Girls, and this is our podcast. Okay, so I'm sitting here with Chucky Rosa, and I met Mr. Rosa, who I call him, uh, through his son, Charles Boston Strong Roser, who is one of our local UFC fighters out of Boston. And I'll tell you, thank you for coming today. I'm my, so My pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. <laughs> I'm psyched to talk to you. You're one of, you're one of my favorite UFC parents. Thank one you. of the, the things that I always found interesting is when the UFC comes to New England, and the reason they bring us on is they say that I speak boston fighters languages hmm. and that i can relate to them in a lot of ways and and it's funny because before you came in here when you're talking to my husband there is something about boston new england new hampshire people we just somehow can relate to each other where a lot hmm. of people can't always understand yeah. where we're coming from so yeah. you and i have now crossed paths through charles several times several times yeah. at a gronk event too you were helping me keep people away from yeah. Gronk, I was a little short on the yeah. security yeah. that day. Right. Yeah, big right hand. <laughs> yeah, you pushed somebody away and said, yeah. Kim, if you need me to do anything, just let me know. Yeah. And for a, for a yeah. swift second, I thought about having you just stand in front of Gronk because you could have kept the whole crowd away. But <laughs> oh, uh, So before I get into that, though, and I know you said you never did it professionally, but you, you actually come from a fighting background. So it's, yeah. not, it's not Charles didn't just... Get up this no, on his own. No, he did not. My um, my father, Dominic Rosa, um, he was a champion of the Western Fleet in the Navy. I don't know much more about it than that. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, I never I never did it professionally. I wanted to be a fighter when I was younger, but I had well, I didn't have kids. I I didn't have the kids, but I had children when I was like eighteen. Um, I've been training some sort of something most you know all of my life, pretty much. Um, I've trained with some of the top MMA guys around here on the East Coast. Um, I've actually gotten to train at American Top Team with uh, some of Charles's stable mates a few times. Um, uh, I have a brother that's uh, very formidable. My younger brother, who I used to fight with, box with all the time, uh, he's a he does really well. Um, his name is Tom, Tommy, Tom the Bomb. So you know, uh, and in my house, you know they. They they played hockey. We used to have boxing matches out in the backyard and on the trampoline, and uh, used to just pretty much kill each other, you know, um, with boxing with um, hockey gloves on, and um, you know, uh, I used to try to show them some things, but uh, but Charles did take it to the next level. He's one in a I don't know if it's a million, but you know that made it to the UFC. Um, with you know, he had a lot of struggles, as you know, he lost his. Two older brothers, Dominic and Vincent, his heroes, when he was um, pretty young. But he found a passion, you know. Like I said, we we always had some sort of fighting going on at the house, you know. Um, he's gonna get the belt, he thinks, and I think he I can. Think, I think he can too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you train? So, do you were you mostly boxing, or did you do MMA too? Yeah, I um, mostly mostly boxing. Um, you know, old school, hang up the phone and answer it. I, you know, I, I'm into keeping the hands up. When I see people with their hands down, I'm, I freak out, but it's, I know it's the new thing. I'm just not that quick. So yeah. uh, I got to keep my hands up. But anyway, uh, and then I did, um, my, I did small circle. It's, um, it's a Japanese martial art, um, small circle jujitsu, it's called, um, out of Woburn, Massachusetts. I was there for probably 10 years. It's a very practical self-defense. A lot of it you can't use in, um, the UFC, the, the MMA type stuff. It's a lot of finger locks, but um, a lot of very practical stuff. You know, thumb, wrist entry, chokes, and stuff. So it's we have to know a lot of stuff. And he doesn't give his belt away, so belts away. So he was Ed Malaw. He was um, my trainer for a long time. I don't get down there much anymore, and I get I get to teach it sometimes to some of the people that I uh, work with every day um, from different uh situations that they're in like they need community service and it's a self-help type thing so i don't teach them how to beat people up more or less just try to how to defend themselves and how to get out of situations so it's been good do you 
So you just do it as part of your everyday regimen. You're not you're not full time training people or anything like no, this. It's just part a, of your yeah, life. You yeah, get up every day. Yeah, yeah, I train every day. I mean, I, I I usually I row. I run on the beach. I live on Seabrook Beach. Um, not on the beach, but uh, on the Seabrook side of the Hampton Bridge. Um, you know, I hit the bag, and some you know sometimes I get people to spar with me. But uh, you know, I um. I do some Bikram yoga, <laughs> hot yoga, or it's tough, but uh, it's trying to trying to trying to not get old, and it's a it's a fist fight every day. But uh, I feel pretty I feel it. pretty good. You, know? you look good. Well, thank you very much. Um, when it, so what are we thinking? When's Charles going to come back? Because I know he's I know he got injured and he's mm-hmm. been on a long road. But then I saw on Instagram yesterday that the UFC sent for him to get tested. So that's a good sign. Yeah, I think right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um I I got to go out to the UFC Institute with him about I don't know a week or two ago. I got to train with him a little bit. You know, he wanted me to basically chase him around. That's what, that's because that's all I can do. He's still <laughs> he's still you know he's light on his feet. I I kind of just stalk people, but. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't want to get in there with, you know, the heavy hitters yet. He's had a problem for years, um, and he, the way he, you know, he was still winning fights like that. So it'll be really interesting to see how well he does when he comes back. I think he's going to be really good. He's very well-versed. He's he's tough as nails, and he, he wants to do it. And um, I, I think that, uh, and, and he's smart. You know, he's been doing what they tell him to do. Uh, sometimes he'll ask me, you think I should do, you know, Basically, uh, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? Um, a little bit more, you know. Um, you think go be, beyond the boundaries, yeah. and I and and I'm not good at that because I I um I'm not good at giving advice like that because but I your kid I, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you don't want to tell your kid to do more. Well, I I don't want to tell him that. Yeah, and, and I try to tell him keep doing what they're telling you to do. Yeah. And um, he sees that I probably, I know I don't look it, but I probably do more than I should. Otherwise, I feel like I'm being lazy. He probably has some of that mentality. So yeah, what I'm sure. trying to tell him is he's doing the right thing by listening and, and letting it heal the way it's supposed to. So when he does come back, he yeah. can uh, do what he's supposed to do. So he's uh, he's doing well. I mean, he he was moving well out. And when I was out with him in Vegas at the UFC um, Performance Center and I know he's back down in Florida training with um, some of the guys down there. I think one of them, one of the kids, he, uh, young men he lives with. Um, and, you know, he's, I think he's doing good. I said, okay. you know, you can't work on certain things. You can't get hit, but work on things that you, you know, can work on, like leg locks and stuff. And he seems to be he seems to be doing that. I says, work on your abs, you know, do, do different things. Yeah. Balance. You know, one of the things, yeah. I, have, I actually saw Conor McGregor train yeah. when he was mm-hmm. in Boston. And mm-hmm. one of the things he's big on is movement. Mm. So I'm sure there's some things that Charles can be working on Absolutely. in terms of his movement. It, but do they give him a time frame when they think maybe he'll be able to come back, or I is he I taking th- it day oh, by day? Oh no, no, it's definitely not day by day. Okay, he good. has he has all kinds of. Uh, I think you know. I think he he couldn't even really like uh, you know jump around because it, it's still believe not even if you're jumping it it has you know yeah. the vertebrae in your back or up your neck the whole thing but. Uh, he couldn't even do that for a while, but now they said he can run, Good. he can shadow box, and so there definitely is every week and do a little bit more. And I think I think within a you know maybe a month or something he can get back to where he you know he's can you know training and if he can get a fight he'll have a full fight camp and um, you know uh, like you said though I know working I I try to I try to encourage him to work on. Um, work on things that he would not be able to normally work on when he's in fight camp and I think one of them is stretching I'm I'm not I'm not like a yogi person but I mean since I have been doing it I I've, I've gotten a lot more flexible I'm about as flexible as this table <laughs> here but I can you know yeah. so I know that if he spends the time doing that stuff he can do it you know uh so but I think he'll be back in you know uh, maybe 6 to 8 weeks and um okay. I think that he'll have something lined up Is he still with Joey Kev? Yes, yeah. Love Joey Cav. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a good, good. guy. He yeah. is a good guy. He is a good guy. Good. Well, I hope so. You know, I have to give Charles credit, too, because yeah. I, I've i not tried his food. But from what I'm told, because my mother lives down in West Palm and he's in Delray, and I have mm-hmm. a lot of friends in that area, that the restaurant that he works at is, like, the best in the city. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have yeah. you eaten his food? Yeah, Rob. I cook with him all the time. Is he a better <laughs> chef or a fighter? Or is he good at both? I would say a fighter. I think he's good. I mean, he's definitely a good cook. We cook all the time. He he comes and digs 
clams with me and we make uh, white clam sauce and um, stuffed clams and you know we make uh, you know chicken palm and we have our own recipes for our breadcrumbs we use cheese nips and ritz instead of the traditional breadcrumbs and really yeah we pound okay. out the yeah we have we have some you know we we garden a lot too so we go out in the backyard and pick a handful of oregano and basil and chives and that always when you got some fresh stuff it always uh, makes things taste better so yeah we 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 like to we like to cook, yeah. And he, to, he's a good cook, yeah. He's a he's, he's got to be. I mean, every a, single person when I tell them, yeah, yeah, oh, the, one of my fighters works at you yeah, know yeah. Cut Four Thirty. Is it Cut Four Thirty Two yeah, or something like a, that? Yeah, They're yeah. like, oh, that's the best restaurant in Delray. Yeah. But you have to forgive me because it's kind of funny the thought of because this is recorded so they can't see. But your big man Charles is he's not big, but I mean he's for his height, but he's. Mm. Stocky. So the thought of the two of you going to the garden together to pick oregano yeah. makes me giggle well, slightly. Well, well, no, a lot of people like a lot of the community service young, young. it's not always young, but the participants in community service, they're usually, I know I'm stereotyping a little bit, but they're, they've been in some trouble. They, they, they're, uh, they have a certain persona. They're tough guys, and they see me in the kitchen. I'll say, uh, what do you do? I say, go wash your hands. We're making, we're making some sort of a turkey chili for a church or something. Put a fucking apron on. Like I'm not putting it. I go, yes, you are. And I say, I wear an apron every day. I, you know. Yeah. So when you say you can't see two goons like us, you know, picking, picking <laughs> flour, you know, picking uh, oregano and in a kitchen cooking, it's. Uh, but no, we uh, what you see is what you get. We have you know we have fun. It's it's relaxing and uh, we'll have to do yeah. a video yeah. when uh, he's when oh, he's yeah. back up. Oh, yeah. We'll do a video of like the two of you cooking in the kitchen because be I think fun. it would be funny. <laughs> yeah, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't obviously bring you here to talk about. I mean, I love to talk about Charles and mm. fighting all day. But yeah. I brought you here because I know that you are you have started an organization and that's what I wanted you to talk about. So mm-hmm. yes, you're a fighter, you're the father of a fighter, but yeah. you actually are the founder of Chucky's Fight. Right? Yeah. So can you tell me about what Chucky's Fight is? Sure. Well, I I just Chucky's Fight is a small nonprofit up in Seabrook, New Hampshire. Um 501c3 we're registered. Um before before that I ran a wire factory for almost 27 years, but um, I had six kids. I only got four now because I lost my two oldest boys, Dominic and Vincent, due to accidental drug overdoses. And um, I moved up to Seabrook with just Charles. Um, they were a huge part of his life. I mean, they, they used to fight with him and you know in a good way. You know, Anyway, um, he says he got some of his best training at, at the house, you know, um, his toughness and everything. Um, I don't take any credit for it, but... Uh, and I don't want people to think I'm anything special because he, he's done, I could only show him what I know, you know, uh, he's done this on his own. But anyway, um, Chucky's fight is, uh, yeah, so when we moved up there, I thought that there'd be less drugs and alcohol up there because I was a young parent and I didn't, I didn't know, um, but found out very quickly that there was as much up there as there was down here because I left the rest of the family where they had grown up in Peabody. I just went up there with Charles. I was his mother, his father, his disciplinary and is you know trying to get him through high school and um but anyway i i was asked to speak at a uh i think it was a seabrook middle school one of the girls i know was a teacher there and can you come to my class and talk to the kids about your loss and i said okay and the short version is that kind of it morphed into uh i go to a lot of schools now i was at exeter high school no last couple weeks ago timberlane high school last week for two days straight. I don't lecture, but I um, talk about the dangers of drugs and alcohol a little bit, and then the teachers usually leave the room, and then it gets real. They ask questions about, you know, what would I have done different, what I did right, what I did wrong, and I answer them very candidly. They ask me my opinions on maybe marijuana. and um, That's a they, big they, topic they, now. Well, well, they hear a lot of things. They that they I, I'm very opinionated um, on a lot of that. So... So Chucky's fight, yeah. So we we do the presentation, and if the students, um, or I went to a uh, a halfway house in East Boston last week. If the participants make a pledge to make healthy choices, they get a a dog tag, and it's nothing more than a piece of metal that has a picture of a fighter on it that says "Help Knock Out Substance Abuse," and they had to use that as a reminder to make healthy choices. Because what was happening is I'd go to the, these schools and these different institutions, jails, and you know I said, well, you know. No matter what they got out of it at the time, you know, people forget, or at least I do. Um, I think everybody does. And I said, I want to try to think of something to 
give them as a reminder. So I just came up with this idea of um, the fluke thing. Um, make a make a dog tag, and they can put it in their pocket. They can put it on their keychain. A lot of the girls I see say they have them on their mirrors. Yeah, I have it on um, my car. I've, yeah. I got one oh, really? from Charles's fight. I don't even remember the first time I met you, yeah. and I put it around the windshield of my yeah, yeah, the yeah, mirror yeah. of my car. But the one that you gave me now, that's it's different, and it's got my name on it, so I'm going to yeah. wear it all the time. Oh, oh geez. Well, yeah, so I so we give those out. And the other thing, Chucky's fight, that not, you know, we do is uh, we scholarship people that cannot afford or access treatment after they get into a detox which is where you get this crap out of your system hopefully for 28 days you don't want to go back to the same toxic environment so you go to what's called a halfway house or something similar to that where you're fighting the same fight that everybody else is where there's accountability and there's structure and there's mandatory meetings and tests and everything and they you know they kind of police each other and um so a lot of times the people have burnt so many bridges they can't afford the the money to get into a halfway house when they get out of detox. So they call us and um, we put them through a, a question, bunch of questions that I have on a, you know, uh, it's a, a format. And if they meet the criteria, um, we've never turned our back on anybody. It doesn't mean that we've scholarshiped everybody because some people call just in, in lieu of, instead, instead of going to jail, they say, you know, right. And, and, and I, we, we, we end up kind of figuring that out. They tell on themselves. But people that really want it, we spent about, you know, we help. And we spent 60, not 16, $60,000 last year on scholarships, usually about $200 at a time. But we've gotten some really powerful, um, you know, testimonials from people saying that uh, they got their kids back and it's the first time in their lives that they've been clean for three or four months. They got two jobs. You know, so I figure everybody's worth 200 bucks, and um, that's another service we do. And the other thing we do is we try to be a good role model of people that are, need community service um, in the drug court, which is an alternative to jail, and sometimes they're juveniles. The judge will send them to us, and we'll um, give them activities to do um, to try to make them feel a little bit better about where they're going and who they are and you know sometimes we go to the nursing home and the girls will paint the old lady's fingernails instead of saying oh you know here comes kim the junkie or whatever they they don't look at you like that they look at this girl's coming to paint my nails right. or something and it gives them some boost of confidence that's or, nice and, and but i don't want people to think that you know we're bigger than we really are because we're not it's my, the, the mary deserves a lot of credit my that's girl, your wife yeah she yeah. she does she does she's there doing all the scheduling and comes to presentations sometimes and writes the directions and because i'm like a caveman and she films me every day um you know going in the ocean um one of that's one of the things we do to raise money is i go in the ocean every single day um but you don't do that to raise money because i've seen i've been following you mm -hmm. doing this ocean dip i even got cameras out one christmas mm -hmm. i we hadn't even met yet but i remember sending cameras up from i think it was fox 25 or channel 5 went mm -hmm. up you do that regardless of it raises a dollar or not that's true yeah well i i do it for mental mental reasons um i let's put it this way you know my girl I'll, I'll ask mary uh you know i look at her in the morning what what's you know five thirty in the morning and i said what's the temperature and she'll say oh well, it's 11 degrees wind chill minus 16 and it's like this was you know but i make myself do it just like the same way i make myself the analogy is like i make myself drive there's a package store that's about 100 yards from my house and state liquor store and my drug of choice if you will was whiskey or alcohol and what I try to tell the students and the people that I speak to is it's all about your choices. I'm not doing cartwheels when it's 20 below zero to go in the water, but it's a, it's, I'm making myself do that in the same, the, same, the same way I make myself, I made myself drive by that liquor store today. It's a mental battle. Right. So I don't know if that makes sense. I'm a, you know. Well, but, the whole thing is a mental battle. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, yeah. and, and so basically what started as a way for you to deal with kind of the loss of your two sons has yeah. morphed into this to help other people. That's which correct. It's completely relevant now yeah. because you're sitting in Wakefield. Do I need to tell you how many people there are in this town alone and Linfield and Stoneham and Reading yeah. and there's no town that is safe from it now. It's, it's true. It really is an epidemic. Mm. Where it was 10 years ago 
which is I think right around when you lost your sons. Yeah, it's right, it's yeah. worse now, yeah, it right? Because really now yeah. everything is being cut with these deadly drugs because it's they're trying to get it cheaper and people are becoming addicted quicker and it's hard. So yeah, the fentanyl and stuff and and you know these. You know, there are uh, the people that are selling the stuff have no regard for anybody's, you know, well-being. Not just the person that they're selling it to, but their families. And I know you didn't ask the question, and I hope it's 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 appropriate. It probably isn't, but the drug dealers are the biggest scumbags, and I hope the whole world hears that they're the biggest scumbags in the, on the on the planet because they're not just. They're not just hurting an individual. They, they it destroys families, uncle, you know, mothers, fathers, uncles, aunts, cousins, friends, you know, people, and it just, you know, who who would line their pockets with money that is really destroying not just one life, but you know, go rob. A, I don't condone robbing a bank or anything. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, it's it's yeah, different. This is, this is tearing apart families. This is different. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and uh, but you know, and and. Find another way, you know, but, um, and, and they think that we're going to build a, a wall or we're going to beat the war on drugs if we get it off the streets. It's never going to happen. I used to train with and still do a little bit with some law enforcement guys and basically said, we're never going to win the war on drugs. And I go, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, we talk about it here and there. And, and um, I remember one of the kit guys told me, he actually a guy that worked for me, I won't say where he was from, but he says that in his country, it's a, you know known for drugs, um, They, the drug dealers will go to a morgue and get babies, dead babies, and they'll cut the babies open and, and put, put, put uh, the dope in the baby, and then they'll pay a woman to put the baby you know, in, a, in a blanket and bring the baby on a plane. So the, 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 the reason for that gruesome kind of story is, is that the drugs are going to be here. Yeah. There's going to be an alcohol liquor store in every corner, and what we need to do is to change people's thinking about, you know what, this shit, this shit is poison, um, and that's how I have to talk to the students, especially the young ones, um, because I tell them this is a fist fight that you can win every day. Nobody is going to make you sit down and smoke a joint or make you, you know, drink a beer. It's a choice you're gonna make, and I said, you know, and you don't have to do it. It's um, like I say, something I can, It's a fist fight you can win every day, just like you yeah. know me going into the water to see my, you know, my my boy's ashes are in the ocean. So there's some other reasons for that's me doing. why you go in the. I never knew that. Yeah, the, you, yeah your boys. Are, yeah, ashes. We're on Seven yeah, Eleven on on Vincent's birthday. Um, we put Dominic and Vincent's ashes in the ocean like you said it was over 10 years ago in and Seabrook a, yeah under the under the Hampton like under the Hampton Bridge and I used to go down there every morning and bless myself and jump in and then it was 7-11 is July so then it was um August September October and I just kept going in and I haven't pretty much I, I haven't missed a day in years I go in every day and, it reminds you yeah it just reminds me I say a little prayer like if I'm going to a certain school I say uh Make me, you know, make me say the right things and get through to some of these kids or young, you know, young people or wherever, you know, or, or wherever I'm going. Um, I just ask them, you know, to to help me make good choices today because some days it's hard. Some days I have hard days where I want to do the wrong thing, if you know what I mean. I know people that are dealing drugs. I, in my own head, I'll convince myself that. Um, I can play God. I don't want to say too much because I don't want people to I think I'm a, a bigger, a bigger, a bigger mental case than I am. Yeah, but, no. uh, but, you know, I, I, I says, you know what, I, you know, thankfully Mary and the few people that know me remind me that I'm better off doing what I do day to day than um, getting rid of a drug dealer because there's going to be one in their place. And it's not right. going to make a difference. But so I struggle sometimes with different crazy things like that. And even thinking I deserve to have a glass of wine or something, which I don't really like, you know, but you'll say, oh, you'll hear, a, you'll read an article, oh, a little bit of red wine is good for you every day. Well, for me, I'll say, well, that red wine, a glass and a half, I'm twice as heavy as everybody else. Should I be able to have three glasses <laughs> plus one is four? Well, half the bottle's gone. I might as well drink the whole fucking thing. Yeah. And and it's not good. So I have to, have to be really diligent about um, that. So I ask them every day to <laughs> make sure that... Uh, make a good choice today and keep my hands in my pockets and and try to do the right thing that 
It's important that you say that because you and I were talking before I turned this on. Mm-hmm. I have friends. I mean, I'm 42, mm-hmm. and I have friends that are struggling with addiction. That in my head, I'm like, "We're so old. Like, how can you? How can you turn to this now?" But the reality is, they're really not necessarily turning to it now. You know, in high school, maybe mm-hmm. they had an injury from football or soccer or something yeah. and they started on the Vicodin and then they liked it and right. they realized that they could do it and now we're 42 and it's mm-hmm. gotten worse. Right. How important do you think it is to get these kids? I mean, now, how old? I mean, you got to be going to a younger age at this point. I mean, you yeah. must be going to middle school, well, if yes. not grammar I, I, school. I, I like I like going to seventh grade. That's what I usually, I, I like the seventh and eighth grade um, because I think that they, they're pretty... A word isn't vulnerable. I don't have the right vocabulary word, but they 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 absorb a lot. They're on the fence at that age, um, and even elementary schools. You know, um, you know, I, I can't. I have to change it up a little bit. But I talk to some of the younger, younger students too. But um, you know, I really what I really stress to them, and I know I already said it is, it's about it being a choice because sometimes this new language, and I'll probably offend a lot of people saying this, but so you know, it is what it is. I guess. Uh, is that they have this new language about this disease model, you know that yeah, it's a disease. Well, if 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 you come from a, a family that is alcohol, you know a lot of alcohol and drugs, you might say to yourself, "Well, that's who I'm destined to become. I have the disease." Yeah. And I say to the students, just like I'm saying to you, "Well, what's your other choice?" Is to say, "I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to follow that suit. I'm not doing that." See, in my family. There's, you know, there was no drugs or alcohol, but several people in my family, and they might get offended, have substance abuse issues. Sure. And their kids, and, and you know, I lost a couple, and there's a lot of, you know, there's my some of my nieces and nephews, um, you know, struggle um, even after them watching me bury my sons. But the point is, I you have to re, you have to tell people it's about a choice they make. And there's a there's a saying, um, if you think you can or you can't, you're right. So if you think you have something or you don't have something, you know, like a lot of the guys I, I worked with, uh, worked for me at the factory, were from pretty tough backgrounds. A lot of them work with these guys are from the Wuben Projects, and they would go home and see their alcoholic parents, and they could say, hey, you know what, that's who I'm going to become. And they, they, they could use that as a... Uh, green light or um, is to this is who I'm going to become or there's some other ones that said you know what that's I'm I'm not I'm not doing that I can I because there's nothing there's nothing that possesses you to to, to do that it's a choice you make and when I tell the students that I said the ball is in your court you can't tell people they have a a disease because if I could if I could be fucking drinking right now I'd be drinking and I'd probably have a large greasy cheese pizza with extra sauce and I mean but you know it's it's about choices right right and, um but you know that that's it that's just my black and white thinking my you know, people can call me a caveman but I know it works because I do it that way I know my son Charles does it that way and I know a couple of people that we've sent to you know I won't get into it but I mean it, it, it it's it, it's within your control that's the way I look and, at it. and I think you know Every generation is different. You know, my father was, he was 40 when he had me. He was born in 1937. So back then it wasn't, you didn't talk about things like that. Right. You didn't do that. So, but now, mm. do you think that, that the parents are open to you coming in, even to their, if their kids are young, to talk? Because people are, parents are scared to death that, you know, as if, we didn't think about it back then. You know, you have a kid, you didn't think one day, like, when they're 13 years old like oh they might try heroin or they might try like you didn't think like that but now we've seen what it can do so I think people who have kids seven eight years old they start thinking like how am I going to get it so that my kid never tries it or never makes a decision do you think that when you're going into these schools and you're are parents more open to that I I'm going to say yes a hundred percent because I've you know I hope it doesn't sound like I'm beating my chest I I've we've gotten a lot of positive feedback because sometimes kids, young people, I should say, I shouldn't call them kids, don't listen to their parents, but they'll listen to an outsider like myself that says it's straight. And, you know, and, and one of the things I, I um, have a lot of problems with is, 
I feel like I was an uneducated parent, and I, I think my sons were uneducated because I thought it was a phase they was going through that was going to pass, and and it, and, it, and it didn't. You know, um, they would be good for a few months and then start back up. And I remember the first time they were like 13 years old. I we would get out of work early, and Vincent was getting sick in the bathroom, and I and I never was home at that time. It was like three o'clock, and I asked Dominic why is Vin getting sick. And they were honest with me. They said uh, they were drinking and they were drinking vodka down at the bus stop with their buddy Jared. And I have a terrible memory. I remember it like yesterday. And then they smoking some marijuana. And I and I was a young parent and just knew what I know how to do and scream at them and lecture them and probably whack them. You're not having that shit in this house. Blah blah blah. And they said, Papa, don't worry. We'll never try nothing else. And this went on through high school, and they made, made it through high school. They taught hockey clinics. They used to do, you know, the bar, boxing in the back. You know, they they pretty pretty normal, but, you know, pretty shit house too, our house was, I guess, you know. But uh, but then I got that call. It was a, it was a school night because the other kids were going to school that my son Vincent was unresponsive, and I knew what the word meant, but I just thought that he maybe got an accident. They said I had to come down about 1 o'clock in the morning, but... um. Fast forward a little bit, I went down there and I thought maybe he broke an arm or something, but after some rigmarole, they told me where he was and I had to go to this room and I seen him on a table like about this high but longer and his arms were folded and he had a piece of uh, cloth, like a sheet up to about here and there's a lady sitting about from me to you away, but she was doing some sort of paperwork. She looked like a nurse and I asked her twice, how's my son doing? He was like in the corner, like on this stainless steel looking table. And she didn't answer me, and I get up to her, and I said, what's going on? I'm the father. And she just looked up at me, and she said, they didn't tell you? I said, tell me what? She said, he's dead. And I go, no, he's not. And I, and I went over, and I shook him for what seemed like, you know, 10 minutes, but it was probably 10 seconds. I was trying to wake him up, and, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I thought I was going to wake him up because I said, I'm not, I, I can't deal with this. And, uh, you know, he, he broke my heart that day, and... uh I donated his organs and stuff because I didn't know what to do, and I and I I made a phone call to somebody that I know that does that stuff. Um, said you could donate his organs, and they, they they took his veins and his his corneas, and somebody now in Virginia has the gift of sight because of him, and uh, they wrote really? us, yeah they wrote us a letter, and and there's like eleven people um, have gotten well somebody got his heart valves and stuff, so, but. But you for, didn't know for selfish reasons. I mean, I I wish he was still here. Um, but there was no way back in ten years ago we were not as educated no. on how much of a problem this was. Right. It was very underground. Mm. Lo, you know, mm. in the last, I would even say more so in the last five years because the efforts of that you're doing, even that the media is trying mm. to do. Yeah, we're telling. You know, parents are becoming more and more aware. They're looking for signs. They're they're noticing things more. Yeah, yeah. But we th- we didn't know that then. Absolutely, and like I said, I live with that guilt of of not knowing because I didn't think I didn't you, think you didn't there, know. there was no chance of there's no drug addiction in my family, and I'm not. And you know, I never drank a beer till I was out of high school. I wanted to be a you know I was gonna be I thought I was gonna be a fighter, and you know, but, but I mean I drank. I made up for it. That's for sure. But that's another story. Um, but, uh, you know, that's why they need, you know, people always say, well, what's the answer? And I'll say, well, I have the answer to this problem. And they're like, you do? And I say, yeah. Or I said, it's education. I said, they have to find a way. It's not Chuck Rosa coming in. I mean, I'm effective at what I do. I'm not bragging. But, you know, that hour, hour and a half they give me, you know, um, I'm a small speck of sand on the beach. But what they need to do is they need to get education into the school from when they're in kindergarten, obviously age appropriate through high school, and I guarantee you, there's not a lot of guarantees in life, but if they set up something, you know, had Harvard or some smart school put something together, like I said, age appropriate, figure out what kids can understand at those Mm -hmm. ages, or young adults when they get a little older, something's going to stick. They're going to say, you know what? I don't think so. I remember when I was in seventh grade, that, that, that presentation about how every time that you smoke a joint, it takes away two and a half days worth of training. And I'm like, you know what? I was on that rowing machine for an hour and a half yesterday. Fuck that. I'm not, you know, or, or, or right. somebody that's pretty like you that might want to do something in the movies or something. They they show a girl that looked like a movie star. And then when she started smoking, 
you know, crystal meth or right. whatever they're doing, they look like they're 100 years. It, it's going to res- something will resonate, and we need to educate, you know, because everybody's different learners, too. Some people are visual, some people are, um, you know, readers. I don't read that well, you know, so that probably, you know, but, but you, you do it enough times. And I'll tell you why I know it works. I know I'm a little bit of a screwball, but when I was, a, when I was younger, we, and I don't remember shit either, is we went to the uh, museum, I think it was, and there was a pink lung and a black lung. There were pig's lungs, and the pink lung was a good lung, and the black lung was a smoker's Smoker, lung. yeah. So the short version is is that the, I, I thought that if I smoked, I was literally going to get black lung, and I wanted to be, again, I was going to be a fighter, I was going to be do something, and, you know, I never I never smoked a cigarette. Because of that? Because of that stupid black, right. pink, pink lung thing, and... and and I'm not blaming the schools, but maybe if they t- taught us about, you know, um, different things. Um, like I said, I'm not blaming the schools. But, no, right. But, but I think that education, you know, take take 10, you know, two or three minutes off of each class every day. So you can have two 20-minute classes or two half-hour classes every week and, 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 vi- and revisit. You know, we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about... Um, Whatever we're going to talk about, how how marijuana, you know, people say there's not such a big deal. Um, this is what it really does to you because it is a big deal. I don't give a shit what older people. I do, but I don't. But for young people, it's absolutely one hundred percent. I hope the whole world listens to this. Hundred hundred and ten percent is detrimental to their well being, mentally and physically and everything. I've seen I've seen it with my own eyes. People can say it's not evidence based, but you can't tell me. What I've experienced, I've seen it ruin young people's lives, even young people in my own family, unfortunately. Yeah. And they turn turn them into, um, and they'll even admit it. They'll say, you know what? As long as I have my Xbox, my my weed, and my bowl of my my sugar pops or whatever, I'm fine. And they'll look and they'll they get tears in their eyes. But I hate who I've become, and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. I know I'm not doing the right thing, but I can't makes you makes you you know but anyway. but you're right because because it and it does take education because my my dad died of lung cancer mm. and when when he was turned on to smoking he told me he was 11 when he passed he was um he was seven he would have been 77 but mm. i remember being in the room with him when the doctor told him we have to take your lung out mm, and the boy. first thing he said is he was so mad mm. at himself mm. But at the same time, by the time he was so addicted to smoking, there was nothing. Mm. He wished that they had told him that sure. at 11. Yes. So you're right. There you know, you go. I hate to say we, we mm. need to go first grade, but mm. you know, maybe there is a way mm-hmm. to work it into yeah. first grade. Yeah, they're playing with army men in blocks or whatever they do, figure out a way to... Yeah, I mean, like I said, it got to be age appropriate. We can't show them a video. But of it somebody. does need to go. It does at this point. I, I, I we think, need to I start. Think so. it's, it's poison. You got to teach them. You know, you teach them that if you touch a, you know, if you don't look before you cross the street, you're gonna get hit by a car. I mean, it's not a great analogy, but that you, if you fool around with this, you're gonna get spanked. You're gonna something's gonna happen, and it's true. Yeah. And you got to, you know, you got to break it down simple like that, and then. As they get older, um, you know, like I said, somebody smarter than me that that, or a school, it'd be a great a great project for some interns to put together, a comprehensive program from, you know, from ages you know ba- the kids to right through high school a couple of times a week. This is what we're gonna do, and I would you would definitely see results. You know, maybe one day bring them on a field trip to. A hospital where there's a guy that unfortunately is in a wheelchair and he's 25 years old and he's drooling right. because of a car accident when he was drinking. You know, I mean, you know, people maybe they, they need to see some stuff. Um, they say the scared straight program or this and that didn't work, but you can't just show one thing, you know, because it might not resonate with some people. I told you my story about the lung thing. You know what? I said, I'm not smoking. That's right, my, it was my, enough. In my simple brain, I said, I think I'm going to get black lung. Yeah. But if maybe if they showed me that if you drink, uh, you do this, it's going to do what it does to your liver, you know, um, that, that does this and that, maybe make you understand and say, hey, you know what? Maybe that's not so. You're going to get yahoos that are going to do what they're going to do. Right. Um, and, and, you know, because, you can't save yeah, every kid, right, but, right. If, but if you can save one you always start one at a time but you'll save one i I guarantee i i would guarantee that you know knowledge is power 
you know, yeah. and um, the more that they know, the better decisions they can make, as far as I'm concerned. And it's true. You know, I won't talk about stuff I don't know about, and it's and it's, you know, they they that's what they really need to do. That's the answer to try yeah. to tr- try to you know, control the you know, the drugs getting in and out of here. Um, I don't think that it should be allowed. But if this, if you if you assume the supply is going to be here, the demand is us, the, the 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 young the young people, the old people. The supplies here, where the demand. If we don't want the kids to use it, we have to educate the people who are the demand to say, "Hey, you know what? Bring this shit back to where it came from. Yeah. Your, your country. You go. You go use it. They're making." I mean, they did it. They 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 put all of this stuff in place in Florida because of how many people were going down, getting mm. it off the elderly, and driving it back up. Mm. I know this because my mother has to take painkillers, and they they recently did a law where, when she goes to fill her prescription, she has to take a pee test. Oh, wow. So gotcha. where my mother doesn't drive, she was trying to hold them out, and she ran out, and she couldn't fill them. So when she went to take her pee test, it wasn't in her system. Oh. So they it, it brought up a red flag, which mm-hmm. she didn't understand. I mean, she's 70-something years gotcha. old. And I had to explain to her, right. well, Mom, what's yeah. happening is right. these kids are taking their their parent, their grandparents' mm-hmm. painkillers. Yeah. And it, like, it, she was didn't... It was like shocking. Well, she's to her. oblivious to it. She doesn't think yeah. like that. <laughs> and, and but the, so if we're putting in those precautions, right, we right. need to keep doing that. Gotcha. Because it's just yeah. it's it's an epi- it's an epidemic. Right. So you do the education part. The the scholarship part I think is new since the last time I talked to you about this. Yeah. Well, what what ended up happening in a nutshell is um, years probably I don't know, might have been it was it was many years ago maybe not ten but. Definitely more than five years ago, probably seven or eight years ago, somebody called me and asked me to help them get into a place. And I, I drove them up to Maine, to Saco, Maine, to this place where I know uh, it's a halfway house. I paid for it, and he told somebody. And now we get calls from literally you all do. over the all all the, all the treatment centers call us. We scholarship an average of a person a day. It just that's just the way it works out. It's like a thousand dollars a week. Um, a little bit better than that, actually. And there's 40, 52 weeks in the year. That's why it comes out to 52000 came out to $60,000 last year, 200, usually 150 200 bucks at a time. Um, and basically, it's just for people that, that, don't, that, that, that can't afford to get their foot into a sober living place. So instead of them ending up back on the street and, you know, uh, couch surfing or ending up back in, in what doing what they know, which is drugs and dealing drugs and doing whatever... And then they end up back in the can, which costs the state about almost $40,000 a year to keep them in jail. So if we can even get one person not to go back to jail, it pays for the whole fucking thing. And I I know we've done better. I know for a fact that we've done better than that. We have about a dozen guys up in a place in New Hampshire, in one of the sober living houses up in Bosquin right now. I can't guarantee that some of them would be in jail, but I would bet they would, you know, right there we saved a couple hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So. And but, and how many lives? Yeah. And, and, and I, a lot of times I, I don't talk about the, the personal part of it because people only want to hear about dollars and cents. But to think that somebody got their father back. That right. Now that, you know, I've had, you know, you, you can see some of the stuff that, you know, uh, some really powerful stuff happens. Um and but you know we'll we'll keep paying for them to stay in jail sometimes yeah. i'm not a conspiracy person but sometimes you wonder there is definitely some remedies to this stuff but it's hard to get people to um listen and understand yeah, yeah. i mean but the governor said um they're going to take care of it i don't want the money i want i want the money to go into a pot so that people have access to it instead of calling me I'm going to show them how to do it right so that the program doesn't go away in case you know God forbid something happens to me or I go away I'm not going anywhere anytime soon but it's not my fight it's not just my fight it I is can't... your fight Chucky's fight well I know but you it's made not... it your fight yeah, the minute it, you took this yeah, on well, well I know but I can't I can't I, know. I can't be the one to finance everything everybody no, you, can't. you know it, the, the state's got to can buck up and say, hey, it's you know not what? just New Hampshire, though. You help, do you help kids? Well, honestly, in- it's mostly New Hampshire. I mean, I don't want to say too much because I'll get calls from all over the place. I don't yeah. know who's going to listen to this, but it's mostly New Hampshire. They have to be, they have to go to a 28 day program to get the shit out of their system. Yeah. They pick a sober living house and um, 
they apply we, basically it, it, you've it, made them apply it, for this scholarship yeah yeah and yeah and we ask them a bunch of personal questions like how long have you been using what's mm -hmm. your drug of choice what's the longest you've been clean and sober without being in jail there's a reason i ask all these questions it, it's on a, it's, it's 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 a it's a protocol yes and and um what's going to make it different this time kim why would i scholarship you you haven't been able to keep clean for 15 years you've been using the longest you've been clean was you know six in, in six months and and then she'll say, well, I have, uh, I, I have a baby. Um, it's the first time I've tried sober living. I really want this. Because we can't make them do it. they got to want to do it. We can't jam it down their throat. Yeah. And, and, I, and I tried that whole thing. I'm, I'm a thick-headed, I'm not a professional fighter, but I think I have that mentality. I'm going to make this happen. And I would do the phone calls. I'd do, pick them up. I'd bring them there. I'd do everything. And then I get a call from the treatments, you know, the halfway house and say, Chucky, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but so-and-so left. I'm like, Jesus, I did all this right. work. And I'm scratching my head saying, why does this keep happening? Because it's the fighter's mentality. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to keep fighting until this guy gets better, but I can't make him better. So one day, it was actually Charles had a weigh-in. This is a true story in Boston. I got a couple of calls. And I felt like I was letting these kids down. I said, look, I'm going to give you a couple of numbers to the Salvation Army and this and that. I, I got to be there for my kid. Call me tomorrow, the next day. They both called me, and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I got to get on this. And, and they said, I want to thank you for blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this time I didn't even do anything. They did the work, and it meant more to them. Yeah. In other words, when I do it, when you do all the work, it doesn't have the same value. Like the, the people would I say, why did so-and-so leave? Well, he said we didn't understand him. He didn't like the food. He didn't think this and that. But when they do it themselves, the food doesn't suck so bad. The people aren't so misunderstanding. So basically, you got to, people have to, when they're ready, they're going to make the phone call. You help guide them. You say, here are some numbers. And if you get, you know, when, when, you, when, you, when you do the legwork, I'll I'll help you. And that's that's what we that's what we've been doing. But it's gotten kind of out of control, so we need the state to um they promise to help you out. Help with funding because it's um But it it's, seems it's, like the process that you've put into place, like it's, it's with a great, the application yes. Yes, is weeding out you're really being able to see who's yes, who really needs the help, wants it, and, like needs better. the financial help yeah, versus yeah. somebody that just doesn't want to pay for it, knows right. you're going to pay yeah, for it, and right, they're going to go right, in and out. Right. Well, we so making them, yeah, them yeah, yeah. go through that last step mm -hmm. tells you whether or not they're going to they're That's going right. to do the work. Yeah, I tell them all the time, I'm not an effing bank, you know. I don't, you know. <laughs> My dad used to say yeah, that to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, but you know, but I mean, but like I said, I think I said earlier. Everybody, in my opinion, is worth two hundred bucks. Once, once we, once we get you from point A to B, it's your journey at that point. And um, and we've gotten hundreds, if not thousands, of some really powerful stuff that they've been able to make it happen. And sometimes we'll get a call and say, "Hey, we're sending you money back because so and so stayed for two hours, went um, down the street, and." You got something, you know, we, yeah. and, and they know that because the people in the program will say, hey, we saw that new guy copping dope, you know, so, but again, it's it, at the end of the day, it's not my journey, it's not the case manager's journey, it's not their parents' journey, their girlfriend, boyfriend's journey, it's their journey, and they gotta, you know, and all we can do is try to help them along, but sometimes the more we say and the more we do, we're doing them a disservice, and that's a really fine line. I know I'm probably yeah. confusing some people, but it's... It's a really fine line, but what I found is the more I did, the less... You the made less. it easy for somebody to not do it for themselves, yeah, which at the end of the day, they yeah. have to do it for themselves. Yes, it's their yeah, fight. Yeah, exactly, because they'd say, well, look where Chuck Rosa got me. This place fucking sucks. It's <laughs> like, well, when they do it themselves, like I said, I did this, and when they do get better, they said, you know what? I picked this place out. I I made this happen, and... um. But, you know, it, it's people say about hitting rock bottom. you got to let him hit the... Well, I had one lady ask me one time at a presentation, and she, were, she was crying. She said, I lost my house. I remortgaged this and that. He's been to this many places. He still is doing the same thing. What is rock bottom? And I said, well, rock bottom for some people is death. And she started crying more. It probably wasn't the right thing to say, but... But it's you know, a reality. You, the reality, I'm, I'm, you know, I speak from that, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it is, if you know? you, the minute you start, you always have to have that in the back of your head that, that you could, that you could die. Yes. 
you're every time you take that on you could die mm -hmm. you know and it's a harsh thing and I've had to say it to friends and people that I've known too and you don't want to say it because you but what else it's true what else are you especially gonna say? like you said earlier I, I you were talking about um, how they're cutting you know not to minimize what people did 20 30 40 years ago you know with drugs you know they're always not good but the stuff now is it, it, it's different. They're cutting it with fentanyl, and people are people are dying. Yep. You know, um, it's 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 different now. It's different. It world, is. It's you know? a t and the, and it's just gonna keep. And you play in Russian roulette. You, I mean, literally. And so, you, if you don't tell somebody, you know, this 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 time could be your last time. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you've been, and sometimes and be sometimes three, your first time can be your last yeah, time yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, like That's my, how yeah, dangerous yeah. it and is like, right I, now. I tell the kids, students that my son Vincent. First time he tried that fentanyl, his friends thought he was in the corner sleeping and someone saw something coming out of his mouth. He's probably foaming at the mouth. And by the time they called the EMTs, I think he died on the way to the hospital. Um, it's but, quick. But, but, you know, that was... So when, I, when people say, oh, sometimes parents say, oh, they're, gonna tr they're probably going to try. You don't expect them not to... I go, I say, if you're going to... I do expect them not to. I said, because if you think they're going to, the first time could be the last time. I did a presentation in Hawaii, and the schools were outside, and it said, these big murals they painted, it said, not even once. And I, I was a little embarrassed to ask, like, what, what, what does that mean? And, and, they, and the, the, they, they told me, and I did a, they were nice, nice kids, too. It was really cool to do, you know, I went to a middle school, seventh grade out there. I was visiting my, one of my, my daughter. I don't see much. She does sustainable farming, but... Uh, they let me come in, and um, they said, not even once. I've lost my thought there. It means that don't even try, try it once. once. Right. That's, that, that's their thing. It was in big. I actually have a picture of it um, they sent me. So, yeah, I mean, but if you think if you if you think that they're going to, some parents, I, I think, to make themselves feel a little bit better, well, are we supposed to stop? I mean, that's kind of unreasonable. I said, well, if you think it's unreasonable, then fucking I don't know what to tell you. But you're asking me a question. I'm going to answer your right. question that, you know, don't 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 fool around with it because it's it, it you know it can end bad it's a fucking slippery slope too yeah. i'll tell you that much because if i if you could stop and stop when you wanted i'd be drinking right now right you know everybody I mean, thinks that I mean, that no, everybody no, goes no, in with that mentality of course, yeah. i can just do it now and yeah. you know but you can't no no i mean and, and everybody everybody says well i don't have that addictive personality it's like you know what keep telling yourself that because if you start i tell the students this i says you may not end up on the other side of the dirt. You may not end up in a fiery car crash or in jail or getting cirrhosis. I said, but something will happen. That's a guarantee. Something will happen. You will have a regret at some point. You All you can do is hope that it's nothing. Don't take the chance. That, right. that, that's, how, that's how I have to do the black and white thing because everybody thinks that they can manage it. But when it starts to manage you... You don't feel too good. I says, you know, your serotonin levels go down because it's being brought up artificially by the drugs. Your body starts to forget how to do it. So you start to feel like shit. You say, well, you know what? If I smoke or I take a pill, drink a little something, I'll feel better. Next thing you know, that's what you become. That's you know, all you can do to you feel do. anything. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I tell the kids. I says, and then I says, you feel kind of gray. You're not feeling so good. Uh, I wasn't going to drink, um, and only on the weekends, but it's Monday. Uh, Monday turns into Tuesday. Next thing you know, you got a habit going on. And when you try to stop, your body says, uh-uh, <laughs> no, I'm going to give you a fucking headache. I'm going right. to give you a backache. I'm going to give you the runs. Nobody wants to feel like that. So um, that's how it keeps going. You, you, get, you get that whole thing going. And, and uh, that's how I, I have to keep it black and white, yeah. you know, because it it is... But that's that, that's you know in in the hope that um, they can say stay substance free. So you you were a parent that had had kids that were going through it. Mm -hmm. If if a parent that has a kid that's going through it now, whether the kid's fifteen or twenty or twenty five, mm -hmm. forty even, what's your advice to a parent who has a a child? of any age that is currently fighting addiction? Do you have any, like, what yeah, would you say well, to them? I would say to them is, um, well, a big heavy Italian guy, too, I try to live my life by it, is uh, say it straight and it'll never come out crooked. Say it straight and it'll never come out crooked. You know, without lecturing them, just say, look, I, I want my son back. I want my daughter back. Um, and I will support you 
in your choices for to get sobriety, but I'm not going to support your addiction. I'm not going to keep giving you money. So my answer is don't enable them. Set up boundaries that you can keep. Don't say, well, if you do this again, I'm going to throw you out. I'm going to do this and that. You got to be able to keep them. And most of, I think most importantly is that just the way it is, I'm not going to get into a big sermon about it, is that the only the only way for the most part that most people are going to get better is if they go to an environment where they're fighting the same fight everybody else is, and that's in a sober living house with people, like I said, that are do, trying to do the same thing they are and let them go. You know, you, they're not going to get better at your house. They're not going to, because it just doesn't work that way. You end up enabling them. You give money. You think you're doing the right thing as a parent, but you're doing them a huge disservice. Just get them, get them some help because they're not going to have an epiphany someday and say, hey, you know what? I think that everything that you've been telling me or everybody, everybody's been telling me, I'm just going to do it. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. There's another saying, I, I don't mean to keep speaking in riddles, but nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing will change. I've seen people going through this for 15, 20 years, family members even, because they keep doing the same thing and because uh, they think they're doing the right thing and they're not doing the right thing. They're not giving, you're not giving your kid or your loved one a chance to get better by enabling them. You're keeping them sick. And what you're really doing is you're, this is a little bit of a twisted thought, but you're really doing it for yourself to make yourself feel better. Oh, well, I'm helping my son or my daughter when you're really not. You're trying to make yourself feel like you're doing the right thing when you're, like I said, you're, you're keeping your keeping them sick and you're not giving them the opportunity. And people say, well, what if he ends up on the street and does this and that? Now, what if he can, he's going to die in your house, but at least if you give him a chance to get... that That's that's my answer, yeah. final answer. That's a good, no, it's a good answer. <laughs> yeah. We didn't think, oh, we didn't have to phone a friend. Yeah. Do you, in, if someone's <laughs> going through it, right? Yeah. Now there's somebody going through it, right? Yeah. 40-year-old kid, 50-year-old kid, mm-hmm. 60, 70, however old. And they come to you and they say... I'm struggling. What would you say to them? What I say to them is, um, well, lately, because I've been doing some work with my dad because he has a little bit of old-timers, um, I, um, but I, I, I was taking all the calls myself with Mary, but um, a place, Safe Harbor, helps me now in Portsmouth. But th- what we say to them is, are you willing to go to what's called detox? And if you want to get better, you have to go to a, it's a, it's a you know, you have to stay there. It's an inpatient for 28 days and they they get this shit out of your system sometimes they'll give you a mate you know some sort of a lithium or something so you don't get really really sick because you can have seizures and everything so i would say to them if you're willing to gun we'll we'll go we'll get you into like the farnham center or the center for addictive behavior pick places that have beds you get you, you get it out of your system and then when you're done with the 28 days you go to sober living there's all kinds of sober living houses but a lot of people say well i have a job i have a kid and what I say to them, I, I speak, you know, I'm a little rough around the edges, but I say to them, I says, you know what, you're not being the parent that you should be or could be. Stop fucking making excuses. Go somewhere for six months or nine months, and when you come back, you, you'll be the, the mother or the father or the son or the daughter or the boyfriend or the girlfriend that people deserve, not this piece of shit that wondering what we're getting the next day. Is she going to be googly-eyed or is she going to be... And the thing is, when people are using so much, you don't know whether they're high or not because they seem normal when they're high and when they're not, they're miserable, you know, that whole yeah. thing. So to answer your question, I would, I, you know, they have to go get go get detoxed and, and commit to doing some doing some work. And it's a tough decision because they, they're, they're set in their ways and, and uh, they think that the world's not going to revolve around, you know, unless they're here. They, people will, if they see you doing the right thing, People will take care of their kids and, and uh, do the right thing, but a lot of people won't that make make that commitment. They'll uh, make excuses instead of instead of getting it done. Is it ever too late? Do you think anybody at any point can turn it around if yes. they want to? Yes, I hundred percent. I've seen old you know older people do it. Yeah, the kid that I'm working with in Seabrook. That I, the reason I got that not the reason, but I um, got that I got a dog tag engraved for him, and uh, he's he's in his forties. And he said he said he's never felt better. I won't want to use his name, but he's a Seabrook guy, uh, and he's been at it his whole life. And um, he's been—I think—he's been good about four or five months now. And he says, you know, I'm getting things back. I got my fishing. You know, he's starting to do just little stuff. I was talking to him in the car yesterday. He did some hours with me yesterday, and um, 
you could see I'm, I'm not making this up I'm not smart enough to he was beaming you know just the, the things he says my my parents my um my this girl he's you know this girlfriend he sees and this and that and um he said I've he looked at me he said I've never been happy I've never felt this good I mean uh you know so the answer is 100 percent, and he's in his mid-40s so if someone, what are some ways that people can help Chucky's fight? What are some ways yeah. that they can help you so that you, you're not carrying this burden yeah. alone? Well, people want well, to get well it's, just, it's, just, it's just, you know, I, I hate to, I didn't want to say, but honestly, it's just, it's just, it's it kind of is just donations. I mean, I can honestly, anybody that donates, I can tell them that the money that they, they donate will go towards getting somebody that could not afford and or access treatment into sober living where they can get their lives back together. Um, you know, needless to say, it's their it's their journey. They got to put the effort into it. And sometimes, the schools um, or different institutions I go to can't pay the minimal um, cost for the dog tags. Um, and and it, you know, it makes a difference. So basically, I don't want to be asking for money, but the, just you know, well, I'll uh, ask for it. So, so if Ch someone Ch wants Ch to donate, how can they donate? Chuckiesfight.com. Chalkiesfight.com. Yeah. And yeah. if a school wants to have you come speak out. Yeah, they can they can contact me. Same I, thing I, I through go, there? Yeah I, yeah, I get all kinds of references. I go to Phillips Exeter. I go to Timberlane, Portsmouth. I do all the uh, schools, middle schools, and um, a lot of times high schools on the seacoast. I did a little bit in Massachusetts. I mean, I'll, tra you know, I'll travel. Sometimes when I go see Charles in Florida, we do presentations down there. I went to see my daughter. I went to... Hawaii. Um, I promised her for a long time. I finally went out there and uh, I went to a school out there. I says, uh, "This is what I do." And they said, "Oh, come on! I would love to have you." And then the next, the next two or three days, the another school said, "Well, could you come into our?" Yeah, so, the, so the time with my daughter turned into a little bit because I can't say no sometimes. You she know. probably was okay. With she, that. Oh, she was. That's she that. was. She that was. Yeah. She was. Uh, she it was. It was awesome. What a nice, nice group of you know. They're the same as they are here in yeah. Hawaii, but they have. Uh, they they do they do different things you know um they 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 can't afford necessarily to get the some of the drugs from that they get imported so there. they so they do the crystal meth they right. ma they manufacture their own drugs yeah <laughs> so yeah. It's, uh, but that again that's what I say is no matter how much we think we can control the drug thing people are gonna make it they're gonna do whatever so we got to put it in people's heads that this is this is fucking poison you mm -hmm. can't you know it's gonna ruin it's gonna ruin you so that's so chuckiesfight.com yeah. they can donate they yeah. can request you to speak yeah i've asked your son every time i see him when you're gonna let me jump in the ocean with you i would love to have you and he any... says every time it has to be july or august because he would feel horrible if i jumped in in the middle of the winter that's ridiculous i we've think it's we, ridiculous we, we, we've too. never we've never lost anybody um we have people as a matter of fact, the freezing for a reason, that's, a, that's our biggest one that we do, and the governor actually came to that. I didn't think he would, but i got to give him credit. It was, it was, I think it was the windshield was definitely in the teens below zero, like 12, 13 below zero, and, uh, and we've never lost anybody. I mean, that's the, no, the novelty of it is, is to go in the winter. I mean, I'm not saying anybody can go in the summer. The water's like, I think it's about 58, 59 now, but... Um, I would be honored to have you come in in the winter. We'll make a date, a date that means something to you. And all that you have to do is come up with some sort of a quote when we get out of the water, something that means something to you. You know, um, and uh, yeah, I would I would love to have you. All right. Can I wear a wetsuit? You can do whatever you want. I'm going to have to pee in it to stay warm. Oh, geez. I didn't need to hear that. Okay. <laughs> Unless it's August. But I'll try to get up for freezing freezing for a reason oh, this a, year. I'm scared, no, but I, I'll no, try to no, do it. it. It's really good for your eye. I always tell people, breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, and we, we, we really hold hands so we get about thigh deep, maybe, and we count to three. You come in, you jump in, you come out. It's a, it's a little bit of a shock if you're not used to it, but... um. You'll feel good the rest of the day. The only thing you'll happen to you, you'll get the hungry horrors. I think that, I think your body's trying to get back some of the energy that it loses in the cold, and uh, you'll probably want to eat all day. But that's all not right. the worst. I thing. want to eat all day most yeah, of the time. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. So, no, but you really will. You'll feel good. And I have people that come regularly, and they'll say, "Remember, I came in a couple of years ago, and uh, I felt so good, and I still do it on my own sometimes." So yeah, I, and and I think in some of the. I'm not very well traveled, but I think in some of the Scandinavian countries, um, they they do that as part of their 
routine and um, they, they supposedly live longer. It's good for your immune system. It's good for your cardio. There's definitely some benefits. I just do it for my own reasons and yeah. um, knock on wood, I, I don't want to say, but I, 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 I'm, I'm healthy, thankfully, and I think it has a lot to do with the, uh, the ocean. Okay, yeah. freezing for a reason. Yeah. This year, I'm usually away at Christmas, and I know you did a big one at Christmas because I remember seeing Joe Cab and everybody yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, he came. That was yeah, awesome. I remember. Sure did, yeah. So count on me. I, you have my word. I will jump in the ocean with you. If it's not freezing for a reason, I go in every day, and I can work around anybody's schedule. If anybody that wants to come, it doesn't have to be at 5.30 in the morning when it's dark out. If they, you know, as long as I don't have a presentation, if they say, hey, can I join you at 9 o'clock, it's my my so-and-so's birthday that I passed away. If it means a day that means something, I will try to work around your schedule. Um, I'd love to have you. And if you need me to come to your school and rattle the troops, I have references. I, 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 I can definitely make a difference talking to the students. And, um, and uh, I hope you all have a, a great uh, upcoming summer and God bless all of you. All <laughs> right, chuckiesfight.com. And if I don't see you next week, sir, happy Father's Day to you. Oh, well, thank you. Happy, yeah, happy Father's Day, all you fathers out there. <laughs> all sure. right, and I can't wait to see Charles back in yeah, the octagon yeah, soon. Yeah, so yeah, if, there's, if there's somebody listening, wink, wink, to this that can help Charles get in there quicker, yeah. we all want to see him in there. Yeah, he's going to get that belt. He's just going he's gonna to stay focused and uh, count on it. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank, thank you so thank, much. Thank you for having me, Kim. Thank you, Mr. You Rosa. All right, bye-bye, dear.